You are in for a treat tonight. We're going to have another discussion about what is and what isn't woke on tonight's Eight Black Hands. Stay tuned, man. This is going to be a hot one, y'all. Need to stay with us. What's up, family? It's another episode of the Eight Black Hands. It is Sunday night. We're getting ready for the week, and we are your uh, pregame entertainment for the week to get your mind right, to get yourself back in line with your blackness. Uh, the Eight Black Hands, ready to give hands to anybody that comes for our eight million black children in the public schools. Tonight, we're talking about wokeness again. It feels like we have covered this a lot, but you know what? It just keeps popping up. The way I want to frame it tonight, fellas, and you guys are welcome to push back, but this is how I want to uh, frame it a little bit tonight. I think we need to start defining what is and isn't woke, and we need some sort of rubric. And you guys are educators, so maybe this is a rubric for no, no this. What I'm about to say is a graphic organizer. It's a verbal graphic organizer. You guys can make it a rubric, but put things into three categories. Some things are in the category of typical American unconsciousness right? Just being unconscious. That's one state of being. The middle state is woke. That's in the middle. The middle state is woke. So it's unconsciousness, woke. And then the third level or the third degree is overwoke, right? So, 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 so I guess y'all can assume what that yeah. means, right? Yeah. You're either unconscious or you're woke or you done gone too far. Now you're in overwoke territory. And we could talk about some examples <laughs> and see what y'all think. I do want to cover a couple of things. So we had uh, we had a person who uh, became famous again this week. She was already kind of famous. Uh, her name is Bethany Mandel. She is a um, I would call her a commentator. She's a right wing commentator in right wing media and press. Um, she uh, was on the Rising Show, which is a show for the Hill. And she was being interviewed by uh, Brianna uh, uh, Joy, who was a leftist, but not a liberal. And, uh, and in the middle of the conversation, this is what went down. I want to show it to you guys real quick, and then we can talk about it on the other side there. How about we do this? All right. Here it is. This is sort of a woke reimagining that is very, very, very far left. Only 7% of Americans consider themselves very liberal. And probably fewer of them consider themselves to be woke. And so, you know, when, when we talk about traditional you? Could, could, would you mind defining woke? Because it's come up a couple of times. So I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So, I mean, woke is sort of the idea that um, I... <laughs> This is going to be one of those moments that goes wrong. I mean, woke is something that's very hard to define, and we've spent an entire chapter defining it. It is sort of the understanding that we need to re totally reimagine and re redo society in order to create hierarchies of oppression. Um, sorry, I. It's it's hard to explain in a fifteen second soundbite. Yeah. Look uh, so, really quickly, clarifying question, right? Yes, sir. Why the fuck did the panic attack happen? <laughs> uh, so, so, so people listening, 
the author, because no one's going to know what you're talking about, the author here who's being tripped up, who's like, can't get over herself. Well, you know, it's kind of, God damn, I wrote a whole book about it. Anyways, uh, she wrote a piece the next day saying, I went viral and I was, you know, humiliated, blah, blah. She says that she was having a panic attack because her kids were home. Uh, that it was one of the first days with her 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 kids at home. I love how Brianna was like real slow with her too. And towards the end there, y'all didn't hear it. Brianna was like, oh, yeah. Brianna was like, she's like, well, it's not something I could just give you in a 15 second sound bite. Brianna's well, well, take your time, girl. <laughs> this stuttering is fun. Let's uh, let's, let's listen. Uh, what do y'all think about her definition? First of all, her definition of woke is is what y'all heard it there she's basically saying it's reordering society so that you can have some sort of oppression olympics meaning that racial mm -hmm. categories some would be now reordered to be higher than others that's what she's saying woke actually is bro so here's what i here's what i want right and i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm gonna be straight up tonight i want white folks to stop co-opting our words to mean whatever they want them to mean right mm -hmm. and so you know, woke for me has always meant black. When I hear woke, I equate it to black. I don't equate it to people of color. I don't equate it to persons of color. I equate it to black. That's it. And and, and <laughs> okay, so you you think she's just saying black when she says woke? I mean, I wouldn't disagree with this. <laughs> I mean, really, but I think it's a little bit more like like. Okay, let me put y'all on the spot. Okay, you you on uh, Britney's show, uh, Robert Simmons. She says, I've heard you say this a couple of times, woke. What does woke mean to you? What would you say? Woke means being aware of the systemic ways in which society and the world, for that matter, uh, oppresses people of color. However, historically, the word is attributed to black people mm -hmm. going back mm -hmm. to the 30s. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part for me that there's like the word has been used, reoriented, and it's actually not new. So whenever I hear people say they're woke, I'm like, I mean, you actually ain't that woke because you don't even know the history of the word. Mm -hmm. So like, I just think that, you know, Marcus Garvey talked about the terminology woke. Um, and so like, you can go back even before Garvey, um, in certain spaces, um, you know, the early two thousands, it was a popular framing. And so I think that, you know, uh, for me, uh, I just think of it as, as a way of thinking about, uh, uh, the, the ways in which systemic injustice appears in our lives and in our society. Um, and so I don't necessarily equate it singularly to black people per se, because I, I think that intersectional oppressions happen all the time, but I do understand Ray's perspective because that is kind of, you know, where, where we, uh, the origin of the word as it entered uh, the mainstream uh, uh, cultural conversation. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know, whenever I hear I'm woke, I'm always like, I mean, you wasn't woke before? Like, what? <laughs> I mean, Breonna Taylor, this George Floyd had to happen in order for you to be woke? Like, what? Would you... And again, I was 17 when Rodney King happened. And so mm -hmm. if, if, mm -hmm. if, if you needed other things that happened to be quote unquote woke, then like, I, I don't know what you were doing in between 1991, 92. They were ignoring it. I'm like, mm -hmm. what, what did y'all think was happening 
amidst Reaganomics, amidst uh, uh, the so-called war on drugs and blah, blah, blah. Like, what did y'all, like, this isn't new. It just looked different. Hmm. You should have went to him last, Chris. You goddamn race scholar. You can't go to him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think every, every black man's a race scholar. Correct. Oh, oh well, no, scholar. never mind. Yeah, I just, I the say, moment I said be. it, Tim well, Scott well, went through yeah, my mind, and I was like, oh, listen, we go. every black right. person should be a race scholar and a race agitator, like they used to call them back in the day. They should hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Should be a definitely. And I, I agree with you. I mean, the woke term is 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 old, and you know, you even hear people like. You know, Malcolm, who, you know, that's that lineage from Garvey, you know, down to, to uh, folks like Malcolm talk about the opposite of that, like sleep, mm-hmm. you know, like folks who are who are asleep. And, 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 and um, you know, to me, the definition is like simple, being critically and socially conscious about society and particularly how, you know, um, race is used as a, you know, to uplift some and, and um, you know, marginalize others. But I, I think, you know, even even uh, Dr. King talked about, re, you know, staying awake you know, he used proper terminology, you know, he's college when he's 15 and all that kind of stuff. So he uses the proper grammar and diction. But he, t- he in his speech, he talks about re- not being asleep and remaining awake during the revolution. Right. Which means you have to be like critically conscious, um, observant and involved. Um, you know, so I and I agree, like now when you hear white folks who are disparaging it, they're usually if they use the term, woke, they're talking about black people like, you know, that's. That's who they're referring to in a, in a broad sense. And I, I, I agree with Simmons that, you know, being woke, um, being critically and socially conscious can be beyond black people. But yes, it, you know, black folks kind of, um, you know, use that term and evolved it to, to highlight the things that we were experiencing in this country. You know? All right. I'm going to share one with you all. Let's put it through the test, the rubric. This is either uh, good old-fashioned American unconsciousness, woke, or overwoke. Ready? <laughs> a bill in Montana would ban the teaching of scientific theories in the public schools. Um, GOP lawmaker in Montana wants to make it illegal to teach anything that's considered a theory in science and isn't a fact in science. Is this... A, a effort to walk towards unconsciousness, wokeness, or overwoke. This is a step towards stupidity. I was about to say that's dumb. <laughs> this, this is, is dumb. dumb. Like, Got As a STEM person, like, what, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> like and all the scientific facts started as theory until they were able to get more technology, better understanding of the world, like, and then you move towards and you're like, oh, no, we debunked that theory. Now we have a better understanding of blah, blah, blah. Now, you know what I mean? Like, it's so silly, you know? But yes, I do think it's part of the weaponization to, you know, just say like, oh, if you got theory attached to it, that means, you know, but he's very specifically thinking critical race theory and so forth. Well, I mean, what, what is wrong with saying you can't teach something until it's a fact, though? That's that's just because we're trying to get, have make sure that kids and people are critical thinkers, and you can't critically think only with facts. You got to mm-hmm. think, you know, about right. why does this work? What is my theory? How table hypothesis, right? Like that's the that's the base structure of a theory is having kids. And it was like no more hypotheses in the schools too. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just beyond ludicrous. You know? <laughs> 
Um, so I think that you guys would say then that that falls into the good old fashioned American uh, unconsciousness because there is a, a you know a push to make us unconscious now. Um, all right, it's a push to make us stupid. You think that's like, a push to make us dumb? I mean, how do you how do you teach facts without starting with theory, in particular in science? Like, I, I, like what are we doing? Like. So this should scare us, though, because, you know, when you think about G the GOP education agenda, like, listen, I'm not a Democrat, not a Republican. I just call them as I see them. The GOP education agenda right now is loaded up with what I feel like is intellectually nuisance legislation, things that aren't intended to have like a real kind of purpose. They're not intended to make kids smarter or the world smarter or to improve education. There's very little... You know, like Sarah Huckabee Sanders in Arkansas, for instance, Glenn, Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida, they all do have an education agenda. If you look at some of what it is that they're putting on the table, they do have some things that are about teaching and learning and data and assessments and that stuff. But why aren't you hearing so much about that? Why are you hearing about their marquee bills being about um, the removal of things? The you can't teach queer uh, queer theory anymore in Florida. You can't teach. Uh, you know what? The latest thing. This is for you, Ray. The latest thing is that the Divine Nine might be affected by um, by DeSantis's Florida bills because it will outlaw like affinity type groups and money and and on campus things for like affinity type groups or whatever. We're hearing more about that than their agenda for actually improving teaching and learning, which makes me feel like. Maybe the goal really is to make people stupid. Well, I think every black person, and I'm going to say this, I think every black person that lives in Florida needs to move. Immediately. I mean, but where? But I don't where? want them here. here. Like you, they can, they can, <laughs> they can go, they can Alabama. They can move to Philly. Texas. So, I mean, if, if you do a strategic, man, you could, uh, you know, you, you you might be able to take over some 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 districts, right? So, I'm going like, to take over Montana, right? Like, it ain't, but what is it? Three million hey. people there? You, you and I have talked about this, Sharif. Okay, so listen, this is what we're going to do right now. Yeah. If you are black and you are watching this show right now, I want you to stay tuned. If you are not black right now, just click off for a second. Just for one second, all right? Okay, y'all all gone? All right, y'all, this is what we got to do. We got to move into a state very slowly that nobody wants, that nobody cares about. Ain't nobody give a damn about Idaho. So we all need to move to Idaho right now. Okay, we got this? Okay, we're going to start next Tuesday. Just with one city at a time. All right, y'all ready? Migration. You ready? Okay. All right. Uh, everybody can come back now. Oh, <laughs> cool. all right. We didn't have I just don't want to be meeting, so. I don't want to be landlocked. Oh, like, that's true. That's true. We need water. Well, let's like go to surrounded. Detroit so we can swim to come Canada to if we have to. Yeah, let's say like go. You know, come on to Detroit. Get up to we can't do that really though because people want Michigan. We got to find a state that nobody wants really. Mm -hmm. Like so that so that's not obvious that we're moving. Oh yeah, people want Michigan. Y'all got all that rich stuff up at the top there, and all them. Oh yeah, yeah. these boats and all that type of stuff. Are mm. you kidding me? All right, y'all. Here we go. Here's another one. The, yes. the Florida thing is really interesting because it intersected with uh, the black fraternities and sororities. When I was reading about it and how it would impact the fraternities and sororities, I was really surprised that I didn't see a response in uh, mass from the Divine Nine. Like, I thought that I would see massive things. And Ray, maybe as a member of one of the Greek letter organizations, you heard or like there were other conversations that I wasn't privy to. I just didn't see anything that was like, oh, we taking this seriously. And there may have been students, but I, I would have thought that the national leadership 
would have had a public statement or things like that. So I was a little surprised at that. Yeah, look, if they did, we need a tenth. What does that even <laughs> that mean? True. That, that'd be, <laughs> what does that even mean, bro? <laughs> we, that'd be, we need a tenth, a tenth, a tenth for party, the black masses. We, you know what? You know, Sharif, don't, don't say this. Don't say this on the show. Oh, let him say it. Because you know what? Because I'm going to say it. Sharif, let me say it. No, no, no. Let him say it. We need to do college, community colleges and make that the tenth. Like the black masses. We just need to go for the working class fraternity. We need a working class fraternity. That's what we're going to do. We make our own. So. Counterproductive. Okay. Anyways, well, let's move on to the next one. Y'all know what the rubric is. So, is this good old fashioned American unconsciousness? Is this woke or is this overwoke? This is from the NEA, but written by uh by a person that people know as Kendi, who is you know Kendi is the the author who wrote a lot about anti racism and how to be an anti racist as a kids book about anti racism and has a book called Stamped from the Beginning, which is all about the the history in some ways of racism. And this is a piece that says the racist beginnings of standardized testing in which he contributes to this piece and basically saying that uh, standardized testing in education is one of the most kind of anti-black functions uh, within public education. Is this good old fashioned unconsciousness? Is this woke or is this overwoke? Well, I says overwoke and I'm, I'm yeah. You, 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 so listen, so you have to have the tools in order to be able to interrogate the system. And so right now we don't have very many tools that allow you to say, all right, how, how is my kid doing? Right. And so it would be different if we could trust the actual grades. But we are seeing students that are getting through school uh, K, to, K to 12 that are getting through school with like 85s, 90s. You get to the end of, of, of 12th grade and these kids can't even fill out a job application. There are no things that are put in place besides standardized testing that allow parents to be able to catch that. And, and have conversations with educators. And so until we get that, I don't even, I, don't, I can't pay no attention to that, dude. That shit is over woke. So here are the three main points here too. Uh, Sharif and, and you guys jump in. I'm sure we're all gonna agree on this one, but uh, the one, two, three here is since their inception a century ago, standardized tests have been instruments of racism and a biased system. Uh, students of color, particularly those from low income families have suffered the most from high stakes testing in US public schools. Today, a movement is growing across the country to resist testing, abuse, and overuse, and to promote authentic assessment. I love this word, authentic. authentic? People use people use authentic in the most phony ways. So it's uh, one of the what is, what most curious words. So, so. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, I, I would say I'm, I'm in between woke and overwoke. I, I think parts of it is absolutely... <laughs> yeah, it's wokish. You know what I mean? I, I think part of, like, critiquing standardized... The history, sharing the history, you know, I love connecting the dots between history. I'm all for that. I am all for the idea that there are some schools that don't teach and they, they'll stop kids from having physical education. They'll stop them from having social studies. They'll stop them from having science and, and art and just do reading and math for months, you know, and not teaching, just going over test questions. There are people who do that. So I'm all about critiquing that type of poor instruction. But I, I think also part of it is this whole idea of just throwing nebulous words. That means usually when you say like, oh, authentic assessments, most of the people are just like that lady that couldn't define woke. Because if you ask them, what is, how would you determine where the kids are, are learning? Some folks don't want any type of assessment. None. Then others will say, well, we can do portfolio. Then when I ask them, explain the portfolio. And you're already talking about teachers who are overworked. 
yep. and underpaid. And to really do portfolio learn, you know, for K like, I mean, it's such a massive production. And again, you still have the biases that are built into that, right? And so to mitigate that, the time fashion, all of that, like that's a, you know, that's the thing. And I'm just not anti-standardized testing. As I told y'all before, when I was in Iran, we took standardized tests for the whole daggone country. And matter of fact, we didn't have multiple choice. Every single thing was open-ended. You know, I sent y'all the piece my sister wrote. She was like, when she got here and took a multiple choice test, she thought, she felt like she was cheating because she had never, mm. she was like, wait a minute, like I'm just bubbling in. And so all of our, it was a standardized test across an entire country of 65 million, well, the people, that's not how many kids are in the school, right? So 65 million people in the country, however many students, first grade through, and for every subject, mind you, every subject, history, geography, Farsi, English, like everything, math, like everything had a, had a test and they wanted to see how are folks doing. So I, I think it's mixed, it's a little mix and matches uh, some good stuff and some nonsense. So let me ask you this. Right? So, so when we think about authentic, authentic testing, right. And we're interrogating a system. So let's just put some, let's just do some simple math here. Right. We got 80% don't of assess us right now. Don't, don't 80%, 80% of teachers that identify as racialized white. And so if you have 80% of teachers that that identifies that, then there's gonna be a high chance that there's gonna be some implicit biases that are gonna be put in these in these authentic assessments. Where are we talking about that? Where are we taking that into account? See, I, I just I just think that these are simple conversations that like even overwoke people are refusing to have. If you if you have that many white teachers, like something is going to happen. But that feel, also presupposes. Woke. I just want to say I feel like that's woke. But but that also presupposes yeah. that all black teachers have no bias towards black. I didn't even get there. I didn't even get there with them. But go ahead. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. skin, skin folk talk ain't, about ain't it. kin folk. So like I think we we need to be careful with the slippery slope. Of that, I don't necessarily disagree. I'm with Reef. Like, there's nuance to this joint, and uh, you know, I think it's kind of woke-ish. Mm-hmm. But like, as a parent, separate from anything else, I want to know how my kid is doing. So, like, authentic assessment, standardized assessment, open-ended multiple choice. I don't really give a shit. As a parent, I want educators to figure it out, and give me their best guess using the most accurate instrument about how well my kid is doing so that I can support my child. Yeah. Right? I feel like nuance is woke. <laughs> you a hater. I think it might be overwoke. You a I hater. think nuance is overwoke. Nuance is definitely overwoke, bro. It's oh, overwoke. No. Life has nuance. How Life I can you say nuance. that? Life on, is nuance. Life is all about nuance like that's the whole idea of walking in other people's moccasins means that you're adding context and adding nuance that you may not recognize like this is this is nuance nuance is a refuge of people that don't want to make decisions that's what nuance Nuance helps you make decisions that's right nuance informs your decision nuance springs shrinks your blind spots gives you a larger perspective and understand different vantage points that's what nuance adds. Because Listen, nuance now you're making nuance, nuance sound like it's probiotics. Yes, it's, it's like uh, <laughs> yeah. there's some nuance in there. You know? like, <laughs> Reef, Reef, ain't nobody trying to walk in your moccasins. You got evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Stay so, on my moccasins. 
Our good friend Principal Kefele is in the, in the comments. He says, what's key yes, is sir. determining what, in fact, is the best assessment for our children. Uh, and I think uh, I think that is a nuance for you, too, because th this is what I, I, I feel like I'm closer to you, Robert, which is if I'm going to be a layperson and I'm not an expert at any of this, I don't care what y'all come up with, but you better figure out some objective way to tell me what is happening. And, <laughs> and, and, and trust <laughs> us, trust us isn't a, isn't no. a response. That's not and a here's response. The thing. You know, so. but trust here's us the is not a response and don't hold us accountable. Like we want to teach your kids, but we don't want right. to be accountable for what but, they but, learn. But that the ain't a response either. That's, that's, that's interesting is that I also care about teachers and how people use these assessments to judge teachers as the single data point on whether a teacher is effective. Mm -hmm. I think it should contribute to how we understand the quality of teaching, but it shouldn't be the only metric used to determine whether a teacher okay. is good or you can bad. Just stop I'm it, glad Robert. you just said stop this. It, I'm glad you, no, no, I'm glad you just said this, Robert, Crazy. because Gross. this is my Make point. Excuses. That's this that is... nuance bullshit that you, that you just talked about. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not, that's not, <laughs> what, I, I, that's not what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm not going to roast the brother like that. I'm just going to say that's overwoke. And this is why it's overwoke to me. This is why. Just in fairness, this is why. Because it's a straw man. There is no place where that's a single data point that how teachers are rated. There's nowhere in the United States where a teacher is singularly rated on whether or not her kids do get uh, do well on standardized tests. There's not a single place. Show me a place. I dare you. I dare you. Show me one school district in the United is, States where a hundred percent of the teacher's evaluation is a is a fair test enough. score. There's if, nowhere where that happens. If it is disproportionately weighted, let me so, say that. Give me an example of where the weighting you think is out of whack. Oh, in DC, DC public schools. No, like, that's very successful. That's a very successful. I'm going to say, and they're at higher levels. What do you want? Yeah. And the, teach, and the teachers actually who? had a hand in designing it too, you know? Of course, so. achieving at higher levels is talking. We're well, talking about tests. I'm true. talking about specifically on the test. They ornate. Weren't they, weren't they, uh, I thought I read They were doing they very were, well in Tuda for a period of time. Have you seen the graduation scores but for recently, black children in DC? Yeah, recently it's bad. Well, every last couple of years. Well, I mean, before the pandemic, they were actually making, in terms of Yeah, and I'm talking days, about pre-pandemic. I've been yeah, pre-pandemic, and for people, that. when I say Tuda, I don't want to be using words that I'm just like. Uh, NAEP has a subset of cities that also do a sampling uh, to do a city-based NAEP version, and DC is one of those places that does it. And in terms of NAEP cities, cities that take that, DC was looking decent <laughs> amongst those cities for years and they fell off right before the pandemic and during the pandemic so I, yeah, um, I want to that's take all i would say i want to take time to shout my teachers out my teachers are very competitive especially in grades three to eight and so they they thrive on the, on the fact that um they have a, a a heidi index score which is uh highly effective effective um and uh it, it, uh improving or developing right and so all my teachers want to be highly effective and, and, and they work towards it. And when we have data informed conversations, they don't shy away from it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in terms of uh, student movement, call it a Heidi system. Yeah. <clears throat> and why would so, you call it a Heidi? That then why can you call it a Kenya system or something like that? Why I got to be a Jill? Why didn't Jill? Why don't you just call it a Jill there system? There we go. Anyway, acronym for. Uh, all right, y'all. Well, listen. Let's jump on this this next one here. Uh, unconscious, woke, or overworked, woke. New York mayor backs city-funded drag queen story hour for school children. Cross-dressing storytelling group reportedly rakes in $200,000 from 
the city. This is a story, I should say, that is in the very conservative Washington Times, America's newspaper, it says. And by America, they mean white people. Um, the story says uh, uh, basically that there was a contract with New York City. Uh, they, they lay it at Mayor Eric Adams' feet. And all I can tell about Adams is that he's not like a screaming liberal of any sort. It's not like he's, I mean, the guy was just a week or so ago talking about prayer in the school being like the answer, uh, you know, talking about you took God out of school. First of all, I just want to say, Eric, Eric, Mr. Mayor, you can't take God out of anywhere, bruh. I don't know if you know God. I know God and you're no God. Uh, you can't take God out of things. Call himself God. Bro. No, no, you can't. You can't take God out of things. God is in schools. God is wherever you go. Anyways, that's just my moment of preaching for a moment. But what do y'all think? Woke, overwoke. Uh, we're talking about the city of New York. We're not talking about the examiner's uh, covering of the story. We're talking about this idea that that um, schools are uh, forming contracts as entertainment and as literacy. I think uh, uh, with um, with these groups that do this this type of entertainment what do you think i don't oppose this i think it's fine safety safety get him to safety you know what listen i'm with you bro i don't have a problem with it i i i get why you know it like uh you know it's jarring to some people first of all if you're not in new york shut up Right. Like right. if you're in Arkansas somewhere, if you're like, you know, in backwoods or whatnot, maybe I don't want my kids going to hubba bubba hour or whatever y'all got going on okay, there, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. you know, maybe I want my kids sitting with your, you know, your, your sister cousins and whatever, I, you know, whatever. You sister know. Cousin. Yeah. No, you, I know. Disavow. <laughs> you know, like, listen, it's not your thing. It's not your city. It's not your place. It's not your thing. Why are we talking about it? Right. Um, and as I understand it, these things are generally voluntary meaning yes. like yep. you know, yeah you can opt in opt out of it whatnot y'all have any problem with this do you, do you think this is woke or overwoke is this going too far i mean i i would need to read the article and not from the washington examiners just to hear like i never even heard of anything like that i mean i can't say i would be running to take my kid uh there it's just i i just don't understand what it, you know what it is um you know it's like drag you know I don't know much about drag, but you know it, it, <laughs> the things that I've seen are. No, I don't believe that either. <laughs> <laughs> the things I've seen and heard, I'm like, I just, I mean, that's the first. I, I was sitting there like, wow, I never even heard anything like that. I wouldn't be rushing to take my kids there. I just left the library yesterday. Um, it was something, you know, more mainstream. You know, kids were studying about genetics you know genetic monsters mm -hmm. um so we that would be Robert, more my your parents what do you think yeah i don't have a problem with it like i i think you know i i mean i, I think uh it, it, it it's just interesting the things that are now an issue in education mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. i i don't know like my son told me they had a field trip on friday or thursday where they went to Gettysburg. I was like, oh, I wonder how this yeah, Gettysburg, Gettysburg, one of the most racist places around. Right. But I was like, all right, well, I'll be interested to see what his takeaway is as a student in the Fairfax County Public Schools. And we talked about it. So I would be fine with it. I would want to talk to him and be like, well, what you think? And then we would talk about drag and like, you know, like, I, I don't have no problem with it. So... I don't know what the issue is. 
so I've said this on this show before. Um, <laughs> like, I wouldn't have any problem with this. Actually, I'm perfectly fine with it. I think, you know, um, if people don't know, I'm leading what I consider to be the everybody else movement. I think uh, there are so many people in this country right now that are doing a very good job of scapegoating minority groups, different groups, and telling you which ones to hate. And at the end of the day, they eventually tell all of you to hate one of the other groups or another. Mm -hmm. I just noticed something in one city. Uh, the right wingers have joined arms with the Muslims in that community to go after gays in their schools. And it's the first time they've ever worked together. The thing that's uniting them is their actual hatred for a group of people, because these people that are courting the Muslims in that city are the very same ones that were for Trump's Muslim band. Uh, they're the very same people that were, you know, anti-Muslim after 9-11. What and city for is this? Director Homeland Security. I'll pull it up for you. I'll send you the link. But it's like they all showed up to a school board meeting together to, to go after the gays in this particular instance. In some instance, they're going to black people and they're saying to blacks, you know, it's the immigrants that are taking your jobs and crossing the border and trying to, to pull on their anti-immigrant thing. Yep. They're going to Asians and saying, you know, there is no reason you shouldn't be able to get into uh, these uh, these Tony magnet schools. They, they need to stop holding seats for blacks. They're finding everybody's bigotry and they're collecting one by one everybody's bigots into a coalition of bigots. And what that eventually does is that's white people versus everybody. That's that's the it's a monopartisan monoracial. It's a monopartisan monoracial movement that basically is winning by they don't have enough numbers on their own. So they're collecting everybody's bigots to round out their numbers a little bit and then have us all warring with each other, divide and conquer. So my movement, everybody in movement, I have to be OK with the drag queen hour. I have to be OK with the uh, the blacks, the Mexicans, the the gypsies, whatever you want. It's just, everybody else. It's it's every everybody else movement. Listen, you know, unicorns, whatever you want to do, furries like, you know, <laughs> it is literally everybody in because the only way you can beat. Uh, exclusive movements that go after out groups is to unite the out groups, right? Mm. Uh, that's just me. That's one guy talking. So I have to be okay with this particular thing. And, and, um, and I'm not okay just for that reason. I'm okay with it because I just don't have a problem with it. I picked up my son one time and they had him dressed like a, a pilgrim in the school that he was in. This was years ago. Sharif, you heard me tell this story. I think Ray, you've heard me tell it before. Mm -hmm. uh, I picked him up like it was a Thanksgiving thing and they cast my son as a pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have more of a problem with that than I have with a lot of this other stuff. <laughs> Bro, I, yo, yeah, I'm a, I, I have a problem with that too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Bro, not not like how he be talking about the Bayesians and, and he he might have origins on that on 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 that uh, on that boat. Bro, you think you don't? I hmm? think I, was, I think my people came over on a different boat. You think you Nubian hundred percent? Really? I don't know, but I think <laughs> you think you, so, bro. I think I think I'm more Nubian. I think you're more Mayflower. Mayflower. I mean, this might be true, but I'm not gonna give you a hall pass, bro. You need to take 23 and Me and come back and talk to us. Hey, you know that's on FSA, <laughs> right? What's FSA? Your flexible spending account. You can buy 23 and and Me uh, on that, John. Uh, Overwoke. There he goes, <laughs> trying to be hyper Afrocentric. Oh, Overwoke ass. Um, <laughs> listen. Should we move on? Do we want to say anything about this particular thing before we move on? Bro, I, I do want to say something. So what I want to yes. say is uh, when black women misspeak, 
uh, they oftentimes don't get the opportunity to have the luxury of having a news week come in the next day and then be able to uh, have that level of sympathy or, 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 or be able to, you know, cry foul over something that they did. Right. And so, you know, it, we, man, we got to do better in this country, bro. Because again, it's these white tears that can end lives. Mm. That can end lives. Is that what you said? End lives. All right. So for people listening and watching, I uh, just want to make sure that you know what Ray is talking about here. We'll put it up on the screen. Uh, we talked earlier about Bethany Mandel, who's a conservative speaker, who uh, was the one in the video who couldn't define woke, even though she's written a whole book that has a whole chapter on the concept of woke. Uh, right after that um, went viral, millions of people saw that clip. What happened was she wrote a piece in Newswork, Newsweek, I'm sorry, that says, I was asked to define woke. My humiliation went viral by Bethany Mendel. And this was like like a day or so later. Um, and, you know, she goes in this uh, in this particular article. She is what I call sympathy trolling. She is actually looking for your sympathy. Uh, she's crying. She's saying that um, right before she went on air, uh, she heard the two hosts talking about parents in a way uh, that made her very uncomfortable and mad. And she felt attacked by the left. And she had six of her kids. She's the mother of six children. She had kids home that day. They didn't have adequate uh, kind of health or you know care for their kids that day. She started feeling a pan attack was growing while she was in the middle of this brain fart that she had this extended kind of brain fart, the sloppy shart that she had going on, like in the you know right on right on TV. Um, and it was all because of something you should be super sympathetic for. We should number one, we shouldn't talk about the thing that they always talk about with us about, which is being excellent and meritocracy and having your facts in order and having, you know, defending your thesis and all your stuff like that. No, we should center her momness, her white momness, and we should be sympathetic to somebody who is daily going after other people for just living their lives, for just being who they are, mischaracterizing them, trying to direct hate towards them, trying to get other mommies you know, other uh, fanatical mommies to attack people. Um, but we should be sympathetic to her. We should send to her. And this is what something I tweeted today. In the olden days, they used to use the white woman as the, the impetus for anti-black laws. We're protecting white women. Um, what they're doing now is they're protecting the white mom and child as the, the ultimate reason and rationale for all of their anti-Black laws that they're passing now. And the way that they do it is finding relatable faces like this. Who could be mad at a face like this? Except for when you figure out that most days, this relatable, friendly face with this smile is literally driving people to harass educators and families and children and students and other parents who don't happen to, to have the white woman's kind of sympathetic profile in media. Well, not only that, though, Chris, who the hell writes a whole chapter on something and can't give you 15 seconds? A book, right? not a chapter. A book. Book. Well, well, she said she wrote, she dedicated a chapter to woke. Just right? the part, the woke part. Right. And yeah. so if you, you write a whole chapter, yeah. I didn't know where she went to school. That system failed her. Well, I mean, <laughs> um, like, listen, I mean, I don't know how. We're the ones that are unqualified all the time. Mm -hmm. We're the ones that are always unqualified. We're the ones that, um, you know, are, get by on our race and not our merit. And but Chris, you know, her, her inability to respond reminds me of the people 
who can't define what critical race theory is. Facts, mm-hmm. same thing. Mm-hmm. And like, I just feel like it's an epidemic of, 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 of word vomit and just stupidity because they've latched on to something that somebody has put out there and it's convenient. It's a convenient way for them to find a boogeyman when there when there's no there there. And that, that part for me is just so fascinating to watch because again, mothers of, of massive resistance, which is over my left shoulder is a book that talks about this type of behavior. Right. And this isn't, again, this isn't new, just like the term woke isn't new. This type of behavior uh, isn't new. Um, in our society, and you know, oh, I didn't see. I see somebody in the. Yeah, I, gotta, I gotta find that Roland joint. We're gonna make yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't there. seen that uh, Roland Martin joint. She was on there. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh okay. I need to go find that joint. I mean, because a know. lot of this stuff doesn't stand up to again critical thinking and critical questioning, right? It doesn't stand up. You know, for people to how many folks are like, I have no idea what CRT means, but it's everything I don't like. You know, so if they can attach that, and that was the goal anyway, right? So. Yeah, Rufo. DeBoer, Rufo was super successful. He said this is where he's gonna make it, and and he did it right. Like, and so that's a, this is just a consistent pattern of you know whatever. Look, I remember who was that? Somebody was just talking about this, where they were getting stuck. This was now imagine this is like in the in the 60s, 70s, and you know it was like black is beautiful term. You know when people were like like really you know pushing this idea like hey don't let them define your your beauty. And someone was talking about the story of that they had to remove bumper stickers because they were getting that's the cops were targeting them. So you were getting more stops if you had anything like black is beautiful or black pride, anything like that, that you were a target. Right. So they've always hated anything that that talks about us trying to, you know, resist and push back. And, you know what I mean? Like the the oppression and the, and the uh, just the nonsense, the constant attacks. And I, I didn't even realize, you know, that they were like, no, we were peeling off our bumper. You know, we got them and we were hype. We were literally taking them off. We realized like uh, we were just getting stopped over and over and over again. Well, I think it's so interesting about that is, you know, I said it years ago with Tysell or not Tysell. I'm thinking of Tysell Nelson um, with Trayvon Martin mm. that, you know, it's like it's not rare that we get indicted for our own murders. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so they, this brother gets killed, 17 years old, definitely told, you know, the, the person who murders him is told by police, don't go after him, you know, s- s- sh- knock it off, stop it, whatever. He ends up dead and he gets off walking. Uh, and then the media and others, you know, well, you know, he was dressed like a thug. Maybe if he wasn't dressed like a thug, they started indicting him for his own murder. That's the history of the United States. That is u- the United States history of its relationship with the black person. Um, you always get, so... Uh, if we start talking about equity and we have Principal Kefele making this point in the comments right now, um, you know, we talk about equity and then all of a sudden the anti-equity whites come out to start struggling to define what equity means. And then they redefine it and then they define it as something bad. And then they make it our fault uh, um, that equity is is, is mm. a problem. So now you have whole states outlawing equity, just even as a term or as a thing. Let's just outlaw yeah. it. Uh, let's in, outlaw whole books, diversity, inclusion, the civil rights movement. I mean, people, we've made this point on this show before. Uh, Dr. King was uh, was not the most popular man the day before he died. Uh, and he, you know, it took a long time even to get his holiday passed. Now, suddenly everybody loves him. Now, everybody suddenly was, you know, OK, because you know what? They misrepresent him and everything. Well, they That's whitewash right. you in death. They kill That's you right. and then they they, you know, they make you something different in death. 
um you know and oh he'd be turning in his grave if he thought we weren't looking at the content of our character and i'm i'm thinking we'd be turning in his grave if he knew capitalism was still doing to black people what it's been doing for years that's and the content of their character too right like they're like yeah. yo your character sucks <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so even if we even if we just use that as the rubric you suck he would like exactly it take 30 seconds take 10 seconds one of y'all what is a rubric? Because I said that I had this rubric tonight. It's not a rubric. It's a graphic organizer in my mind to, to, to say if something is woke. And I'm like putting things in three categories. That's all it really is. It's not a rubric. So what would be a rubric for wokeness if we wanted to have one? No, I mean, that, that would be a rubric. You just have to define it a little bit more under each one, like what would qualify yep. and yeah. what would, you know what I mean? So it would say like, oh, this is semi, it just needs, you know, it can even include non-examples. So it would just be fleshed out. Bro, all right. well, they so good. I'm educated. The rubric, <laughs> hey, the rubric you put out was better than 85% of rubrics that's coming out of teacher education programs right now. I appreciate you, brother. This is why I'm going to start a school. I'm going to start a school. Chris's school. Start, start we couldn't resist. We need, we need more black folks. And then the next right. thing he was going to say is higher ed is trash. I'm waiting for that one. Yes. Was he going to say that? Trash, trash, trash. All right, y'all. Well, listen, uh, I saved kind of one of the uh, this topic. And I don't know if this falls within our rubric of of what's woke nah, or not woke. Totally on this is new. Le- this is a new lesson plan. Who I don't know though, because I feel like there's some people in this that that fit the category of overwoke, and there's some people in this that fit the category of unconscious. Mm. Um, right. So I, so maybe it doesn't. But okay, people, let me not just tease you on what we're talking about now. Twitter blew up this week. Uh, Reform World blew up with this story uh, that I'm about to show you right now. Uh, it made it even to BuzzFeed and to Time Magazine and to others. There was a um, reform uh, CEO, a CEO of a reform organization who twe- tweeted at uh, Quinta Brunson regarding the, uh, the Abbott Elementary storyline that is really going after charter schools. They have a very flashy charter school leader on this show um, who has a nefarious plot to destroy the public school there in Philly. Uh, this has a lot to do with Philly Ed and local politics and local people. This comes on the, the heels of Brunson getting a lot of media attention and um, people like me and others really congratulating her on um, going from being somebody that was at BuzzFeed doing kind of more uh, quick hit media clips uh, who has a whole ass show now. That's pretty funny. A Parks and Rec type of show. Um, and, and it's a rarity for a black woman in Hollywood to do what she's doing. Uh, and she probably has a, a big, a, a great trajectory of where she's going with this. Yep. So anyways, this, and uh, the story, and she's from West Philly. She went to school in West Philly and that's what became part of the issue here. So let me tell you what the issue was, um, people in Charterland have been smarting at the fact that there has been this quasi negative storyline about charters. I haven't seen all of them, so I can't speak to it. I stopped watching a while ago and I was kind of mad at it. Uh, I was mad at it about it, about it a while back, but you know, it was like it grew. And I think people in Charterland didn't let it go. So, um, so there was a charter school, uh, supporter who tweeted at her saying that, uh, hey, you went to charter school yourself and it was supposed to be like a gotcha moment. And uh, Brunson uh, tweeted back basically saying, uh, here it is right here. So, um, um, you know, Jeannie Allen says, I'll share it again. The creator, lead writer and co-producer of Abbott Elementary uh, is from West Philly and attended charter schools her entire education. She reportedly loved it at the time, heaping praise on it once upon a time. Guess money talks. 
Um, Brunson said no, you're no, wrong. No, oh, and, oh, oh, stop. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that part right there, that last part, yeah, that shit should have been left out. Uh, we can I go over, like, we can go over that once we get once we come back to it. Yeah, I feel like that part was was the part that caused the problem. Absolutely. Um, but Quinta actually tweeted well, back at her too. I mean, because it wasn't all accurate. Yeah, and she okay. so Quinta re, uh, tweeted back said you're wrong. And bad at research. I only intended to charter high school. My public elementary school was transitioned to to charter over a decade after I left. I did love my high school. That school was now defunct, which happens to charters often. Bodied. Well, bodied. Let's just can we have a moment of silence for your tweet? No, no, because I feel like this is a nuanced conversation. (laughs) Uh, You can use nuance, but we can't use nuance. He's only a fan of nuance when he's using it. Like, y'all, use it <laughs> y'all, y'all use it and y'all overwoke with it. Like right now, it's just woke ish. So, so what's the nuance? Then he goes off to the, you know, right to the So, I love how charter advocates go hard for charter schools. And so, what is teaching me, because like I feel like there's some learning in the good things and there's also some learning in the bad things as well, just how you how you approach and how you broach the situation. Would I have broached it the same way? Absolutely not. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think the complexities for me is that, you know, one, we're talking she's t- Quinta's talking about her lived experience, right? And so I can't say anything that's gonna be able to undermine her lived experience because I don't know what she's going through. I don't know how she experienced the schools that she was in with the high school charter school and then also <clears throat> just having to process the fact that you know her elementary school was transitioned over because like a lot of like black folks have have that pride in terms of like where they went to school right and so you go back and you're like oh shit i want to give back to the school that i went to and that school is no longer there so i don't know about those emotions that come with that right and so i think that something needs to be said about that but then also i don't think that any school system is beyond reproach Right. And so if you're going to lay criticism on a school system uh, based off of lived experience, based off the fact that you have like that, you, you've attended those schools. Right. It's different if you have someone like Diane Ravish that's like, oh, I'm going to talk about charter schools, whatever, when she's never led a charter school, charter school or, or any of those things. Mm-hmm. Like I have more ire for a person like that than I do someone that went to a charter school. So like I if she wants to critique, then I'm going to let her critique. Plus. The fact that she's a black woman in a space that's that's not really represented by black women. I was I was uh watching the white the writers guild and it was like a thousand white writers in the white in the in the, in the um in the production of that and it was like ten black women black people that were there in total, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna let that woman shine. I'm, not, I'm never coming for her. And I think that yeah, and that actually to me is is one of the best points though like yeah. when you just said that i'm never coming for her yeah this is what's wrong with our movement our movement um doesn't understand communications our movement doesn't know that uh, there needs to be a relationship between the speaker and the receiver of messages and um not it's not everybody's lane to jump in and talk about everything with everybody um quinta's experiencing a moment right now of great success and i'm proud of her and we should all be proud of like what she's accomplishing in life if that was your sister or your cousin or your daughter you would be very proud of what she's accomplishing in life and she and that's the thing she is she is is our sister 
She is. A, she but, is but, but this is my right? point. You know what I mean, though. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, like, no, like, I'm just, like if she's not your sister, audience. if yeah. she's not your sister, you'll try and clown her online. Yes. Yeah. If she's not your sister, you'll try and clown her online. Yeah. Because you don't like a storyline. Um, here's my thing. I don't love the storyline, but I'll just say a couple of things that I make peace with. Number one, um, the story uh doesn't make traditional district uh educators look all that fantastic all. either, though, right? <laughs> her character, her character is fairly stupid. Her character Very. like had a boyfriend that was was clowning her for a Don't whole do year. that. Don't do that. She, that's no, not based off her teaching. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, 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 no. It's, it's the no, point of the show. Are, a lot it's of people are in, the, in the, 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 relationships that might be a little tricky. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen. There's nobody on this show. There's nobody on this show uh, on on Abbott that comes across as a genius. I love the principal. She makes me crack up, but she's not, she's not played as being the, the angelic perfect principal, right? Um, the, the white teacher on there, the white guy teacher on there is not portrayed as being like the savior who, who does things right and gets stuff done right. It's a comedy. Everybody on the show has a, has a level of parody and, a level, and, yeah. and is a farcical in a lot of ways. Everybody on the show has a kind of a, uh, they're not perfect people by any means except for here's my other thing another point i need to make is they do the kids well they do the kids right they don't make the kids downtrodden uh deficient um stupid um they don't make them come from families where they're like you know listen they do a good job with the kids the kids are smart and alert and attent and and blah blah, blah. it's the adults in that on that show that are are not always seeing things the way that they should be so i'm good I'm good with the, with this part of it. If we have a problem with this particular show and the storyline, I don't it. think I don't think the best strategy for reformers and reform world who come from very well funded um, organizations, in some cases funded by the richest people in the state where this show takes place, to try and jump on Twitter and get into Black Twitter, which is its own neighborhood. <laughs> There's certain neighborhoods I'm not going in to talk crap about people. Black Twitter is a neighborhood. And Black Twitter is not a, na- a neighborhood for everybody to jump in and start trying to drag a sister. And if we, have a pro- if we have a problem with the content, then I mean, we need a strategy for how we talk to the public yes, and so- how we talk to folks about this. That's my, uh, listen, it's- I love the people involved. I love everybody involved. Well, who is this? Uh, who is this Gene Allen? Because... Does she send her kids to school in D.C.? Well, Jeannie Allen is is um, she leads the Center for Education Reform. And this is what I must say in full disclaimer. I She's must say she is really good people. Jeannie good is people. like Jeannie is very conservative. Can I she guess. tell me what Ed Reform is and what it's done for black people? She surely can. She She's could. one of the smartest people in Ed Reform that I know. She is super ultra conservative. She disagree mightily on many things. And she's always been kind to me. She's always been kind all and she's opened all of us and has opened doors for us and all this. I, I'm not in, I wouldn't enjoy watching her take a dragging online for this. In fact, I reached out to her to say like, you good? Cause actually I don't, I don't get the strategy on this, but I just want to, for the record so that there's no confusion with people watching this and I'm not being duplicitous. I don't agree with this strategy of going at, on black Twitter and getting involved in these sort of things. Oh. At the same time, I have to say she's one of the people in the, con- in the conservative movement who um, who you can disagree with mightily and she's yeah. still kind to you and 100%. still opens doors for you. Yep. 
I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, I, can, I, can, I can go to a Twitter. I can go to um, a Twitter uh, conversation that I had with her, and it was previous uh, on, on Quinta, and I was still, I was like supportive. I'm like, yo, go ahead, black woman, whatever, whatever. And then she, you know, was critical of of, of my tweet, and I was like, Man, what you out here policing black bodies? Like, yeah. So, so, but she she received that right, and like she may not have agreed with it, but she's definitely a person to where you can have a, a logical conversation to. To kind of lay down like how how you feel about something and whatnot, and she can be reflective about that. So shout out mm-hmm. to her because like I, I don't I don't think she's the enemy here. I just think that that tweet landed wrong. Yeah, I mean I've I, I mean I've worked on um you know a few projects with uh with uh Alan and you know what I mean like I I disagree with the you know with the with the tweet I think because there's also like you know just added context. So like one um. And I, you know, we've had a conversation about about this. Show. I, I like the show, and I, I the part that you said about Chris, like everybody on there has, nobody's like the shining prince or princess on the, on the show, right? Like they're all exaggerated. Yeah, I'm talking about like the adults. So they're they're all exaggerated roles, and you can see a little bit of truth and a little exaggeration and comedy. And, and all that, right? Like I was a principal for 16 years, right? Cause I even, we had even had some friends who were just like, yo, I hate how, how the principal is, is uh, portrayed on there, right? So I think everybody has a right to their opinion and, and liking or disliking certain things. Like I was a principal for 16 years. I was just like, like the lady's funny. It's a funny character. And that's how I look at him. I look at him as, as characters. You know, the interesting thing is, you know, Quinta's elementary school, it was a turnaround. It didn't close. It turned around and it became a charter. So it was a turnaround school. As a matter of fact, it's, you know, full disclosure, it's a mastery charter, Harity School. Mm-hmm. Um, I was around Harity before it became um, a charter. Um, and there was a reason that the district asked mastery to, you know, um, to turn it around. There was a reason for that. The school I first became a principal was down the street from there and I would visit there. So, you know what I mean? Like, so that, you know, so that's one part, like, that's just, you, you can't capture all this stuff in a tweet, right? You know, um, that's that's one thing. Um, then Quinta went to a, a magnet school, same magnet school that my son went to for middle school, um, and where, where they both had uh, Joyce Abbott, who the show was named after. Phenomenal teacher, tradition, you know, in the traditional public school system, but also a magnet school. And then, you know, as she mentioned, she went to Chad, which ended up uh, being closed by by the school board. Um, a couple a couple years ago, um, but I, I think all of this, I think I think it's just hard to have these type of conversations on on Twitter, right? Like, and, and my thing is, you know, when I, what I thought about was what Elijah Muhammad uh, said one time was like, "Don't condemn if you see a person has a dirty glass of water. Just show them a clean glass of water that you have. When they inspect it, you won't have to say yours is better." I really think some of it is like we really have to focus on making the best experiences for kids, right? Like, I, I think when we get into these battles, I, I just don't see it being a win-win situation. You know what I mean? Particularly when, in places like Philly, 70, there are about 70 charter schools, 78, it probably was 80, now they close so many, it's 70. But just, you know, the fact that they close charters doesn't mean that traditional schools are better. <laughs> you know, like, that that's not what that automatically means. Mm-hmm. It means that mm-hmm. they have a five-year window. Every five years, they have a window. Mm-hmm. Right. Where a district school does just because they lasted beyond five years because they don't have that accountability uh, system doesn't mean they're automatically. Oh, that's the best thing. Right. Like so it's so much. 
I wouldn't even call this nuance because these are big, heavy facts um, about, you know, about what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I, I love this show. I support the show. Um, I appreciate Jan. As I said, I, you know, worked on, on several things, you know, um, that, that, uh, that she leads. And, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, I just don't think that was the right, you know, tactic and strategy. Um, and I w- it's like, I, you know, my mom used to watch MASH. You know, so I would watch it with her, with her sometimes. Huh? Nothing wrong with that. No, what I'm saying is, doesn't mean that somebody's like, you know, you're not portraying, okay, this is what the entire medical field looks like, right? Like, it's a, it's a show. It's a show. Like, I, I just, that's not where my fight would be about a show. Because I can guarantee you, 100%, there's not a, you know, when I was at Shoemaker, there's not a family who would, who would have withdrawn from the school. But mm-hmm. come off the wait list because of Abbott Elementary and what you know what the charter guy uh, did. There's not a single family who would have said like, you know what? I watched Abbott last night. I'm pulling my kid out. I guarantee you, it ain't a single family that would have mm-hmm. done that. So then, if that's not if that's not really doing anything, then all right, uh, listen. I know we're gonna come up on time, but I want to add this. You know, I want to throw this ripple with all y'all nuanced Negroes on here, because uh, you know, I see us being all soft and nice about these things. But um, I will say this much: I don't give Quinta a hard oh, time. Boy, but oh, uh, now Burris, now that's another topic. I, I, like, we I just, can... Well, let, you know, let me get through this a little bit. <laughs> this portrayal of a flashy pimp-like black man who's running legendary charter schools on this show actually is a very unfortunate characterization of a black male educator on this show. There's only, as you know, Sharif, 2% black male educators in the United States. Mm. Uh, and to have one of two black males on the show, or three or four, actually, um, one uh, on the show is completely whacked out on conspiracy theories about the uh, the <laughs> Illuminati and stuff as the janitor, which I think is very funny. The other one was struggling with his ability to uh, classroom manage uh, and was suspending too many kids. He got over it. That That's good. But this legendary charter school uh, portrayal, is a flashy black man who dresses in very expensive clothes, who has a pimp-like mentality. And uh, I don't love that. (laughs) I I don't love this. I don't love this because I know too many black males that are devoting their lives to running schools uh, like Mass. And where was her critique of that? That was my, that was why I saw when she put that out there, I was like, that's- Here's here's where that leads to me for this. And I'll say this and leave it alone. The, the, The moment that this episode went out like this, the the network for public education which is diane ravitch's group and carol burris who's the executive director of that group which is a syndicate of white women educators nationally that trade in anti-charter anti-communities of color you know, they're the cousins of moms for liberty justice. i mean they're, they're cousins they're, they're the left-wing yeah, cousins of moms cousins? For, they, they are they're the yeah. left-wing yeah. version of moms 100 that's exactly right. what they are out, and guess out. what and guess what they shot this out nationally um across all their channels and they got in on this action they they loved it they love a black woman uh portraying a pimpish black man uh so that they can use it to say see even the black people think that the black people who do this work are pimps um and that's that's the that's the energy that's how it was reused energy this and let me let me say one last thing here helen uh, uh what's it gim or jim uh, yeah. in, in Philly got all in on this action too. Uh, mm-hmm. your, your Philly people like they they took this so this became a cause celeb for them. 
our charter school leader, blah, 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 went after Quinta. It gets in BuzzFeed and Time Magazine and in all this, which is a bad look for us. It's a bad communications look. And then the left-wing version of Moms for Liberty, pick it up and just go with it. <laughs> version of Moms for Liberty. Just run with it. That's who they are. Oh, y'all are wild. That's the danger. That's the danger of some of our sisters when they portray us this way. Well, so... That so, is the danger of being that careless about about mm, portrayals of us. Well, Chris, beyond that, right? And, and you know, we got to critique systems, and we we definitely got to have these conversations because you know these are really good conversations to have. Um, there was some, uh, there was there were there were some scholarly folks, some some uh, some academy adjacent people that also picked this up and ran with it as well. I saw mm. a couple of uh, black women scholars that were all over this that weren't necessarily interrogating this from the point of this portrayal of a black man, but um, looking at it to kind of, you know, uh, throw, throw shade at, at charter schools. And so what I did was I posted a picture of my family at my school where my daughter is my student. And there it is. Right. Cause I feel like there's ways that you can, um, there's ways that you can show action towards something without um, being detrimental and not, uh, holding space for, for for black women, so I, I just wanted to make sure that we we named that. I, I I want us to do our final thoughts, Ray. This point that you just made is so important. So just drill it home on this this one thing. Uh, nobody stood us stood up for us in this. I'm standing up for Quinta in this, even though she portrayed us and people that we know. Very rare that you have black male educators. Period, in any education system in the United States, and this is a very kind of hack job on who we can be when we are in the role. There's too few of us to allow for this. Mm -hmm. And what you just said, Ray, I saw it too. A bunch of black women stick together, solidarity, online activists, like she's golden, she's this. Nobody's sticking up for the portrayal of us in this. This is a black male education podcast, father powered, trying to make fathers and black fathers not be invisible and not make us as men be invisible. And there's three of us on this show Three of us have real problems on the show, but one of us is really some of the most kind of sewer depictions in terms of character, morality, um, talent, whatever. And no one stood up for us. No one is standing up for us in this. We're not even our sisters are standing up for us and wanting us to do better. And the white women are dragging us. They are taking this opportunity and taking this portrayal to drag the shit out of us on this one. Uh, and this is going to apply to some brother somewhere in some local mm. area who's one of those left wing uh, moms for liberty types is is on his heels right now. Who's going to call me when he gets in the middle of a bad situation is going to need comms help because he's got people coming after him for no good reason. Yeah. That's my last word. I'm going to leave it there. That's my last yeah. word for the show. I'll do a roundabout with you all. Let you guys round it out. Uh, um uh, on this night about wokeness and this night about um, uh, portrayals of us and who gets to talk and who should be doing the talking for us and all that. Just think about your thoughts for a few minutes. And uh, uh, who should we start with? You in Lone Rock Reef? Ree is in Lone Rock Random Ray. Yes, he is. Uh, <laughs> let's land this plane. <laughs> listen, uh, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I hear you, and I, I, I totally received that. Um, you know, Chris, and I would. Yes, I hear you, and it's also a comedy. It's a show, and and I've seen, I've seen a whole lot of you know some of the a lot of well I can't even say I've seen it, 
I've seen a whole lot of other things that depict us, and it is mad celebrated. I don't, I don't watch them, but there's a whole lot of shows that I think is absolute garbage, and people love them. And I think the depiction of of the black men in those spaces is absolutely whack. And you know, I'm like, but people, people absolutely love it. Black folks love it. And so, you know, I, I will say, I will say that I was. Um, it was interesting that the, my, you know, how on, on Facebook they have the uh, the memories. Um, so the memory that popped up the past couple of days for me was in 2016, where I had to, um, you know, it was our charter renewal. I tried to put it on Twitter, but I guess it was too long; it wouldn't go up. Um, but I did put it on on IG and and um, the other joint TikTok, where. You know, a group of us, we testified, you know, about our charter, you know, and I think to me, that's like putting that clean glass next to next to the other one. The schools that were in in our neighborhood, the shoemaker before it was a turnaround, um, before it was a turnaround charter and just depicted, here's what we are doing, you know, and and, and the thing about it, the students who who attended were also able to go there and some of them also testified but them, you know, I mean, to me. That's the clean glass. Their experience, wherever they're going, that's the clean glass for me. And that's what I'll always lean forward with. Here's what these students are saying. Here's what they're experiencing. Here's their, here's their lived experience. And here's what they're saying about our leadership, whatever school is being led, whatever district is being led, what are the students saying? And so for me, that's, you know, that's, that's my final um, piece. I'll try to put it on Twitter again, um, but I might have to uh, get some tech help. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh lord have mercy raymond what about you sir yeah so just coming off my pahara week uh so i just want to shout out my cohort shout out c40 in the building um i'm taking this time to plug a couple of things that i'm working on right now and so uh working on a children's book uh my illustrator is going to be one of my cohort members uh graham brown uh executive director of uh, forte prep about to put something out a uh, couple months. Uh, second thing is, uh, we, uh, my, my cohort, we have uh, four members of my cohort that are are, are uh, involved in a podcast that's in development right now. We're calling it the La Familia podcast. We actually shot uh, the pilot episode and five episodes at Long Rock. So we are the first cohort to uh, to produce and go into production uh, with a podcast uh, from our cohort. So shout out to to, to the folks. And uh, if you are a leader out there and you're thinking about transforming your leadership because you want to be a better leader, uh, the Pahara application is uh, is out right now. Um, you don't have to be uh, referred in order to apply. So if you feel like you want to be transformative in terms of how you approach leadership, uh, please apply to the Pahara Fellowship. And I just will say before we go on to Robert, I just will say if you are writing a children's book, I'm buying your children's book. Just so you know, for the record and for people listening and watching, we support black letters. And when black men who are in education write books, guess what we do? We buy them. We buy them. It's a simple. It's a, it's not hard. <laughs> it's called Amazon or wherever you put it, Ray. I don't know how you're going to be selling. You still your trunk? Anyways, let's move on. Uh, uh, um, black bookstores, bro. Black bookstores. <laughs> bookstores. Get them there. Robert, what's your final word, sir? Uh, my final word goes a little different direction. This is for all the DC folks uh, listening to the show who will listen uh, going forward. We lost a great one, uh, Shanita Bernie, uh, over the weekend, uh, way too young. She was the chief of 
family and community engagement in DCPS. Uh, she loved black people. Uh, she was an AKA, uh, had a daughter, um, and she lost her fight with cancer. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm dedicating uh, today's show and uh, just a lot of my time uh, as I've kind of reflected on some of the conversations we've had and just my positionality uh, professionally of, of how can I work to support uh, schools and organizations to do family engagement through uh, STEM education um, in honor of uh, Shanita Bernie. But she was just amazing. It's a tremendous loss to the DC community, to family and community engagement nationally. Um, and, you know, shout out to Kaya, who was uh, close with her, Josephine Bias Robinson, like my whole DC uh, family is mourning and I uh, just want to lift her family up uh, right now in uh, prayer. Uh, the ancestors have called her uh, home, but we, you know, stay vigilant with making sure families and uh, uh, kids have what they need in D.C. So just want to lift up Shanita Burton. Our condolences. Condolences and may her memory be a blessing and may we carry on the work that she is known for all of us. That's the best yeah. way I think to remember people is to keep their work going so that it never mm -hmm. dies. Uh, this has been another episode of the Eight Black Hands. As we leave and go out today, we've been talking today about woke. We talk often about it. It's important, but it's kind of a distraction nationally. We're trying to get 8 million black kids educated. And oh, by the way, there's 13 million brown kids that are in our schools that also need attention. Uh, basically, all of the kids of America need our attention and our support to do good things for them. Before we leave, I wanted to add this from my stream, though. I meant to do this earlier. I did a poll a while back, and uh, it was seen by 4,600 people. I don't uh, what, 98 votes. And the vote, or the poll it was, friends, I'm polling uh, a polling <laughs> question for you. Am I woke? Uh, and uh, it, it appears as though, yes, you are woke AF, one. Uh, 36%. No, but you sound like it was only 6%. Define woke was 35%. So I'm taking that as kind of not, I'm not actually, to be very honest with you, even though the wording's weird. And it's complicated was 21%. And I think that it's complicated people are the people who've known me for a long time and know that I'm a libertarian, but don't understand my voice change. Uh, over the last couple of years on matters of anti-racism. That might be a thing where people who knew me as a libertarian and have for years didn't know that my libertarianism was rooted in anti-racism. Uh, it's been about anti-racism. That's why I care about any of this stuff. That's why I care about my civil liberties. That's why I care about my relationship with my government, the police, the schools, the teachers, the institutions, the courts. I've said this for years, and they missed that part because all they heard was school choice. It's a school choice Negro. He got him some school choice. Oh, oh, yes. Come on in, Tim Scott Jr. Uh, but when I got to the part about the uh, <laughs> when I got to the part about the the anti-racism, it was like, yeah, but we didn't know about that. We didn't know you were serious about that. Fool, have you not heard that the eight black hands is about eight million black children not getting an education? Uh, what have you missed? I've been writing about this for years. Anyways. This has been another episode of the Eight Black Hands. And as always, we are thankful to have you all watch our show and contribute in the comments. If you want to help us in another way, please share the show with your friends and family. If you, uh, if you really want to help us, go to Apple and, uh, or wherever you get your podcast and leave a review of the show. Give us a rating, leave us a review, and then share the show with others. We always are interested in growing the number of people that join. 
the eight black hands family as always we appreciate you on this sunday night have a great week we will see you